This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. live on joy 94.9 saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in melbourne to 94.9 fm Afternoon, Melbourne, and all over the world. This is Joy ninety four point nine, and you're listening to Techno Gaze, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets, technology, games, the internet, things that go beep and ping, etc. The list is getting longer and longer each week. Oh, there's nothing we won't talk about if it's technology and it's uh, silicon. I think that's what we've got on our website. It's fair game. If it plugs in. Yep. Sometimes it doesn't plug in. True. If it's wireless. Yes. All those things. Uh, my name is Rainer. And joining me today is Michael. Morning. No, afternoon. Afternoon. And also in the studio is Johnny. Hello, I'm back. He's back and he's got some news. Now, um, <laughs> we're missing our Mark today. He's having a well-deserved week off. That's okay, I'm replacing him. Oh, my goodness. We don't That's need him <laughs> anymore. Oh, jumping right in there. <laughs> oh, we've had a coup. <laughs> we've had a- <laughs> Anything he can do, I can do better, except for computer stuff. Oh, that's kind of kind of important for this show. Oh, yeah. you're not going to sing that? No, <laughs> I can't sing better than him either. <laughs> he is a pretty great singer. Um, now today's show is uh, full of interesting tech news, as it always is. But there's been some pretty interesting developments this week. Uh, there's been another shocking password breach, this time from eBay, which I think a lot of us have used. So that will be very interesting to see what falls out of that. Uh, do you guys use eBay? I do. I used it just recently, actually, but thank. Thankfully, I forgot my password anyway, so I reset it a couple of weeks ago. I changed my password about two weeks ago. I think I need to do it again. <laughs> Indeed. You know what? I haven't used eBay in so long that my password possibly was still floating around in the system somewhere, but I don't have an account anymore. Oh. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, now, we've got a little bit more news. So the, the Snowden leaks, uh, the Edward Snowden leaks, of course, covering all the sorts of the terrifying things that happen at the NSA, uh, the National Security Agency of the United States. Uh, we've heard some interesting new things about what they're doing, including uh, some really fascinating work in the Bahamas, which doesn't make me paranoid or terrified at all. No. No. Uh, catfishing. Catfishing is is uh, one of the you know dark seedy underbellies of our wonderful social media connected lives. Me yeah. Me yeah. And uh, <laughs> Johnny is here to tell us all about what it is and some ways to stay safe online. Um, and else? how to catch a catfish. How to catch a catfish. So if you've ever wondered how to catch some shonky catfisher type, then you will find out. And uh, lots more. Some automotive news. Yes. Bits and pieces. Lots of good stuff in the automotive mm. sphere. Fantastic. Now, um, a big special shout out to all of our new Facebook friends, especially Lauren H., who I think is the only one this week. Although, if you are a fan of the show, then we would definitely encourage you to. This share is it. because we didn't beg last week. We didn't beg last week, and sure enough, um, we, we did not receive. So. As you know, begging is really good. Now, if you are at all interested in getting in touch with us on social media, so we've got Facebook and Twitter and a few other things like that, just search for Technogaze, T-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. 
Yes, and that's our Twitter handle. That's right. Or you could uh, SMS us if you want to get in touch with us during the show. On How o- do we do that? 0427 Joy 949. Oh, my goodness. You could call us, leave a message with Lovely Mushin on 1300 Joy 949, or send an email direct to the studio. Direct to the studio. On air at joy.org.au. Especially if you've got something to share about any of our stories today. So, very exciting. Um, onwards and upwards, though, gents. Yes. What are we going to start with? eBay. eBay. Let's talk about eBay. So I guess I guess a lot of you guys out there in, uh, in listener land would use eBay. I know I, I have in the past, although I haven't for a while. Um, and it turns out that some uh, naughty hackers got into the eBay database and managed to scoop up quite a lot of passwords. And so Wednesday, eBay announced that this had happened. It was three months ago and asked for all 145 million of its users to change their passwords right away. Two things shot to mind when I first heard this. One, why did it take them three months to tell everybody? Indeed. Because, you know, I would have thought that if you're trying to, um, you know, get on top of the situation that you announce it as early as possible to give warning to your users. And the other thing was I thought 145 million users, that's not a lot. Oh, really? I thought that was staggering. Well, it is staggering. But when you look at Facebook with, you know, a billion users, it just seems like a small number. I don't, I don't know if eBay has only that many users, but um, I think that was how many were actually compromised. The... Um there, there, were, there was only a, a certain amount. The, the attack was carried out in late February and early March. It's possible that they might have only found out about it recently, which could be the delay, which is a, in, in itself pretty terrifying. <laughs> More of a worry, yes. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, what? Some, someone broke into my house and stole my couch? I thought it had been missing for a couple of months, but I wasn't really sure. The, um, there's apparently no evidence of there being any access to things like PayPal, although as soon as I heard about this, I did change my PayPal because they are so closely connected yep. and I don't trust uh, necessarily all the news. And they said, don't worry, your PayPal's fine. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't actually say how many accounts may have been compromised, but they chose to only warn 145 million, so it's probably a safe bet that <laughs> that might have been how many mm. accounts are in there. Um it, they also said that the passwords were encrypted, but I don't really think that that's much of a defence for anything these days, to be quite honest. If they can steal all the data, they can decrypt all the passwords, surely. Look, it is hard to decrypt passwords, but there's things like, you know, comparing salted passwords um, or, or comparing, you know, password strings and stuff like that that are encrypted with mm. other things that match. Right. So, um, we've seen this before in password sort of breaches. It's like, yeah, they're all encrypted, but uh, the encrypted form of this password looks exactly like this. And so, you can probably guess that somebody else's matching password, you know, in another password breach that you found is that, you know, you can do a lot of detective work that way. Right, yeah. That's... I'm not sure if it's... Uh, and you can also look for commonality. So, you know, we all know that a lot of people use common passwords. Monkey, for some reason, is a, a favourite password out there. So if you know what the distribution is of the number of people that use monkey and use password and, you know, catfish and so on, yeah. and you look at the distribution of the strings in the par- in the encrypted password, you could probably say, hmm, this is most likely this, and then give it a shot and try. Correct. So the, the real threat here is not um, having your money stolen from you over eBay. It's them finding out your login to other social media and forms of... It's possible. Yeah. It could happen. I mean, eBay is obviously a pretty good target because it is the preferred way of payment on uh, eBay. PayPal is is a pretty big target because it's the preferred thing on eBay to use. Um, And there's a couple of escrow services and things as well that you might be using the same password for because people keep insisting on using the same bloody password. Well, it's easier for people to remember the same password. And it's like, oh, Facebook, big deal. I'll just use Fred as my password here and I'll use Fred as my password there. And suddenly you discover that I'm using Fred here. We tried everywhere else and boom, it works. Yeah. 
Yes. Is your password actually Fred? No, Fred's too short. Of course not. It's Fred1234. Okay. Um. <laughs> Sounds like something an idiot would put on his luggage. Is that I'm from Spaceballs? No. No. If it is, it's purely coincidence. Actually, if, if, it, if it is, it's like the monkey at the typewriter and I've suddenly come up with War and Peace. Fantastic. You know, I was, I was actually, I had to change my work password, which you do quite frequently uh, at my work, and um, I was just trying everything, and it's like, no, that's, that's too long, that's too short, that's not fun enough. It's like, come on. I ended up having to make a pretty complicated phrase. Yeah. It's getting crazy these days. That's only because you're setting yourself, uh, you know, a very high bar to reach, that it's got to be an interesting password. Mm. Now, of course, if you are a... Uh, interested in, you know, getting at people's fun secrets and stuff like that. You could try and decrypt their password and all their things, or you could just interfere with their routers and get all the data from coming in from the middle, which is apparently what the NSA has been no. up to. Yeah. So this apparently is what the NSA has been up to recently. So some photos that were leaked, um, and they were reported on ArsTechnica.com um, in a story there, that some Cisco routers were getting stopped on their way between the factory and the customer to get a few little extra free upgrades. A free upgrade from our friends at the NSA. Did they put? Did they put a little free upgraded by the NSA sticker on the box? No, they don't. They keep it a big secret, just like you'd expect. Oh, that's a missed marketing opportunity, surely. <laughs> it really is, or perhaps a, a missed opportunity to uh, to violate your uh, your warranty. But um, it's showing. So these photos are showing uh, these packages from Cisco being intercepted. Uh, some little beacons they call them putting in there. So um, this is this is a unit called Taylor access operations um, and they're, they're getting these servers and routers and things putting bits and pieces in there and, and um, putting them back in the box and sending them on to customers presumably so that they can uh, you know collect more information about them amazing find out where they're going all those sorts of things mm. it's a little bit creepy I don't think I trust this NSA anymore. Anymore? <laughs> Sorry, when did you trust the NSA? They seem like such nice people, but I think I've changed my mind. I think it was, I think it was for me, it was when they had their cute little logo with the, with the nice little octopus giving the world a big hug with its, <laughs> with its cuddly tentacles. I think that was, that was, for me, the thing where I thought, yeah, maybe they're okay. No. <laughs> I want to prank call the NSA, but I'm too scared to. I want to ring them up and say, oh, look, I had a fight with my mother on the phone yesterday and she says that she didn't say this, but I think she did. Can I listen to the recording, please? Right. Of course, you can do that if you're in the Bahamas. Yes. You can do that if you're in the Bahamas because that's the other thing that the NSA has been up to. They have been uh, able to record for up to 30 days at a time, I think it is. Or, sorry, on a rolling 30-day basis. Every cell phone call in the Bahamas... Hmm. Every cell phone call. So and the government doesn't mind? Well, apparently the government didn't know. <laughs> they did not give their consent. And if they didn't know, then it's possible that they might mind. So apparently they legally obtained some uh, information or, or some um, access through the Drug Enforcement Administration. The US Drug Enforcement Administration obviously investigates dealers and other sorts of terrifying things that happen there. They got a backdoor to the country's cellular telephone network and now they are recording and storing the whole call. Now, we've talked about the NSA recording information about mm. calls before. So metadata, which is, you know, Johnny texted Rainer at, you know, it's Thursday, but not the contents of yep. the text mm. or the call or whatever like that. And you can still build up some pretty fascinating profiles about people just based on that metadata. 
But in this one, they actually got the whole conversation recorded. Exactly. Yeah. Which, no doubt, they let their little computer bots out onto to look for keywords. Nothing dodgy about that. Hmm. Now, um, there's some talk about the sorts of things that they can do with that. So... Um, I'm not really sure that it's legal, but um, there's a, a great report. It's on firstlook.org, which is where we got the uh, the link from. Um, but it talks about, you know, the sorts of things that they might be able to do. So they might, for example, be able to obviously, you know, look for drug dealers and things, um, but also to, you know, confirm suppositions that their analysts have already come up with and go, oh, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back to this call from 25 days ago that I think might be from, you know, yeah. from some, some drug dealer here or whatever. It's, it's actually, um, it's pretty terrifying though, like not even telling them. Seems like a lot of effort. It is a lot of effort. A massive amount of storage, surely. Yes. Indeedy. But enough of that. You are listening to Technogaze, where we're covering some of the last week's tech news, and we'll have some more right after this. Technogaze. Joy 94.9. It sure is Joy 94.9, where it is 17 minutes past midday here on Technogaze, where we're talking technology, the internet, social media, and all that stuff. And we're talking today about catfishing. What is catfishing? What is catfishing? Well, Johnny is here to tell us all about it. Well, do I need a fishing rod? No, you don't need a fishing rod. You just need to be a little bit smart when you talk to people online because catfishing is when somebody creates a fake profile and uses fake photos to convince you that they're somebody that they're not. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Um, (laughs) Well, actually, I have written some reasons why. Um, It seems like the main three reasons is because they either specifically want to get revenge on you, so they already know you, and they're posing as somebody else to, like, make you fall in love with them and just mess with you. Um, They also... The other one is they get off on deceiving people, so it's kind of like a power trip. Mm -hmm. And the third one is they're just lonely, sad people. Right. Is it possible that some of these folks as well may be doing a little bit of the old financial scam as well? Yes, it's possible they do that as well, Mm. I I guess. I haven't really heard too much about those ones, but um, I think... When somebody starts asking you for money, usually... It's a pretty good sign to... Yeah, usually you think, oh, okay, that's a bit sus. <laughs> right. So, I mean, pretending... And, and, you know, when you talk about it, you sort of go, well, geez, I, I think I'd be pretty good at spotting if somebody was fake online, right? But it, a lot of people get, you know... Yeah, I get, get caught um, by catfish or I've catch been catfish themselves. A few times, actually. Um, probably about seven years ago, I was caught in like a six month relationship where I got catfished. Wow. And I actually wound up moving, not moving, but I flew overseas to meet this guy and um, he never showed up to the airport. And then wow. I figured out later on that I was being catfished the entire time. And I guess the longer that this online relationship goes with the person, the you know, the more real it seems. Yeah, it? and it's like the longer it goes, the more the more invested you are. So when things start to go a bit wrong, you just put it down to, oh, no, no, it's it's just like he's backing out because he's afraid or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you, you're more invested in trying to pull it off and make it work because you've just spent X amount of months talking to this person yeah. every single day. And, um, yeah, so I think most of the people that actually do catfish, they get in too deep and then they don't know how to get out. And okay. so they have to continue keep doing the, yep. the catfishing thing. But um, it's not just uh, online relationships as far as websites go, but it's also on apps like um, Grindr and Horn and all those other dating apps. And, you know, I can understand that if you're, let's say, chatting online for a long time, that there's a lot of time and, you know, effort invested in it. But Grindr's, you know, really transactional. What, what does somebody want to achieve out of catfishing on Grindr? Yeah, I actually caught a catfish on Grindr really recently, which I posted on my Facebook. But essentially, he used these fake photos of some super hot model guy. And I was straight away, I was 
was like, this is so fake. But he just, <laughs> all he said was what that. Is, what are you saying about the average grinder user? Well, I'm just saying if someone that hot is on grinder, they probably don't want to say immediately, oh, show me your nudie pics or let's trade nudie pics. Because like, mm. if you're that hot, surely you can go out and find somebody to have sex with without using grinder. And if you want to look at naked photos, just Google it. God. So, um, anyway, if you want to catch somebody that's catfishing you, I've got a few tips for you. Right. There is uh, this one that I actually learned from the TV show Catfish, which is, of course, um, a show dedicated to tracking down people that are being catfished. No way. Yeah, I learned this one from there. Um, good old and even Max. But essentially, if they're, if they're online or if they're a Facebook profile or something like that, save their photos and then put it into Google Image Search because there's actually a little icon. If you go directly to Google Image Search, you can click on this icon, which is shaped like a camera, and you can upload the photo into it. Right. And then you can search the website for other places where that photo has shown up. And then like 99% of the time, if it's a catfish, then it'll pop up as like some Russian model or the one that I got was like some Filipino actor or something. So like take it from really obscure places, but there's always a, a trail. But that's, that's, that's mm. a really good idea because there are times where it's like, are they or aren't they? And this is a good way to have a look out there on the internet and see whether that image is, is there and who it belongs to perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now I've done that before, not not necessarily for catfishing, but you on know. On Grinder. No, not even Grinder. <laughs> Amazingly. No, but you know when you, you see like a picture, especially on, you know, Facebook or whatever, someone will post a picture and it's like, look, this is a genuine actual picture of something from space, blah, blah, blah. It's so amazing. Now I've, I've downloaded a cool little thing um, that is just a, it's just an extension that lets you Google image search an image straight away. Hmm. And so if you right-click and go Google image search this, it actually comes up with all the other places oh, yeah. that's been found. And sometimes I've seen that happen, not necessarily with people like profiles or anything, but it's like, you know, here's a picture of, you know, a, a little girl from, from whatever dying of cancer and stuff like that. You know, click, you know, every light gets a scent or whatever. You right-click and you find out that, you know, the picture's 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, her cancer's been cured for ages and it's not even her, you know. You see all sorts of weird stuff like that. Yeah, I think I actually I remember one really good. a couple of months ago there was this thing about, I think it was like Iran or something like that, where they used this um, photo of a kid that had apparently died and then just, uh, showed a photo of his grave or whatever, but it turned out that like, it, it was created into being a meme or some kind of thing like that. And then it turned out that it was actually just a photo project by some photographer and yeah. it was, like, all set up. So, they, there was a big huff about that one. But, mm. yeah. Um, there was actually... I've, I've caught a few catfish over the last few months. I think it's been about five. Wow. Because I've, I've got this kind of vendetta. Because of what happened to me, like, seven years ago, it kind of... It really, really irritates me when other people catfish other people, so... <laughs> the masked Avenger. Yeah, it's like my own little chance to be a vigilante. I was, I was going to ask, do you have a special Lycra suit that you don when you're out catfishing? Please, this is a catfishing. family show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just sit at home in my jock strap. Um, <laughs> okay, way too much information. I painted on mask. Um, Aww. No, so uh, I was five profiles that I've caught recently, and um, one of them I had actually had on my friends list for probably about two plus years. Wow. There was actually two profiles. Both of them um, were sort of Asian-esque looking men, um, and both of them had very similar things in common, which was they used the three names on their profile, which was their first name, middle name, and last name, and mm. it was the f- it w- they sounded very similar. And um, so they would start talking to me on the one profile. And then once I said, oh, yeah, I'm busy by the other profile would log in and start talking to me Uh and say exactly the same things. And it was almost as if the same person was using both profiles and wanted Uh, to see which profile I thought was more attractive. Or maybe following a little script or something. Yeah. So um, I left that like I just ignored them, deleted them, whatever. I I knew it was fake. And um, it took me a little while, but I actually went back because... I saw that they had about five mutual friends with my friends, and I figured, oh, God, they're going to start getting catfished by this guy. So right. 
that's when I did the Google image search and linked it to a Filipino actor. And then it was like a completely different name. I mean, they might have misspelled the first name a little bit, but mm. they, they were posing as their stories were like, oh, I'm a model from New York or blah, blah, blah. And then one of my friends was actually supposed to meet them in Manhattan because he was wow. going to go visit. And he's like, yeah, come visit me. And um, so I was sitting with him. I'm like, all right, well, let's track down and see who this guy actually is. And it turned out to be the Filipino actor. So... What, when you find a catfish, this is what you have to do. You have to post it on social media and you have to let your friends know. Because, like, it's not enough to just delete the profile and block them. You need to right. let other people know what's going on. Because if, mm. if they get hooked, there's, like, there's cases where catfishing has actually gone really downhill and become very, very dangerous. Yeah, look, there are stories about that. I mean, even, even some of the most innocuous stories that you hear about celebrities and stuff, it's, you know, sometimes it's money or whatever. But, I mean, so, for example, Casey Donovan, right, as an Australian mm. idol, Casey Donovan, uh, had an autobiography out this year where she tells this amazing story about her, you know, this relationship she was in. Um, and it turned out that the relationship she was in, she never actually met this fellow because it was never him. Mm-hmm. It was her friend, who she calls Olga in the book, and I think that's just to protect the, the identity of the actual person, um, is, you know, not, not Campbell, her boyfriend, but this, this woman. And, you know, describes her as a stalker and stuff. And that's, you know, even without money or whatever, that's seven years of your life and a whole lot of emotional pain. Yeah, like I, I just awful. don't understand why people invest such... Uh, so much effort into holding up this facade because they there has to be some sort of deficiency in their life which makes them want to pretend to be somebody else like wouldn't you just want to be yourself and have a friendship instead of pretending to be someone's partner Mm. of the opposite gender and you know all this other sort of stuff and to live this whole existence where you never really meet in person in real life yeah this, yeah, I mean, when it when it happens to celebrities and things, you hear about it happening to sportsmen and stuff as well. Um, you know, you, you sort of wonder if it's some sort of weird trick, almost to I don't know, this weird sort of fan yeah. worship or something. We did get a text just from one of our listeners who didn't give their name, and it said, "I keep telling our Facebook group administrator that if you get a request from a hot girl with only two friends, it's probably fake." Yeah. Yep. Does, does your group administrator continue to add them as friends anyway? That's a good question to ask. Well, how do you spot a? F- let's so how talk about how you spot a Facebook. Um, Catfisher, because though okay, so the main, aside from the pictures, aside from the pictures, which, which about. are usually too good to be true, but there's other things as well. Like if they have a few pictures, they're usually only of the person they're impersonating. You'll almost never find a picture of them with another person, or like a friend. Yeah, like that no maybe they're friends right, on okay. Facebook. Yeah, yep. never tagged by another friend, anything like that. And the majority of the ones that I've seen, which are, are gay, um, was like the most people, the people who post on the Facebook page on the profile are actually just random men from anywhere around the country or around the world who have nothing in common with them whatsoever. They're just like, oh, thanks for the ad, wink face. You know, it's just, <laughs> like, so there's no sort of personal conversation whatsoever. Like, I get yeah. people want to keep their personal lives private, but that's just too much. Like, there's nothing there. You know, if you're a really sophisticated scammer or you had some friends, you could probably just do that. Just, you know, like make a whole bunch of fake profiles and, you know, make friends with each other and or, you know, appear to make friends. And you know, hey, thanks, wink face or whatever. Yeah. And, make and, and, build, bit- and build up a bit of a, a profile. Yeah. Yeah, what, but they just don't seem like real people, do they? No. One, one of the um, app sites that I've used before when somebody sends you a message, sometimes gives a warning to say, hey, this is a new member and they don't have many friends. Just be careful. Yeah, which I think right. is quite a good way to approach it as yeah, well. Yeah, and it, it's like you were saying, you know, you should post on social media and tell them. But yeah, also, I mean, a, a lot of those networks would have, you know, report abuse and stuff, right? Like, I yes. know OK Cupid does. Yeah, I think I think they all do actually. 
Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure if it actually does anything, though, as far as the apps go, because I've reported quite a few for violating uh, the terms and services for impersonating other people. But I sort of I just see them pop up again later. So I think mm. if you just delete the app and load it back up again, you're fine. Yeah. It's, it's just really irritating. But I've seen the same like they just don't do anything about it. Mm. Um, yeah. So mm. um, also another thing, if you're talking to somebody on an app and they continually refuse to meet you, even though they set a date. Yeah, that's They're probably right. a catfish. Come the on. image. Yeah. There's yeah. just so many things. Like, um, there have been cases where catfishes have led to people being murdered and, you know, by oh. other people and being manipulated. So, just, if you find a catfish, let your friends know. Don't let them fall into the same situation. For sure. There'll be more after this uh, right here where we are still talking tech on Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. Technogaze. Joy 94.9 in Melbourne, joy.org.au for the world. To write Joy 94.9 here. My name's Raina. This is Technogaze and we've got Michael and Johnny. And it's 29 minutes to one, halfway through our show. Goes too quickly. Now, we've just been talking about catfishing on social media and uh, some of the different sorts of bits and pieces that could be very dangerous. So I would encourage you, if you have any stories to tell or opinions to share or anything like that, send us a text. You can do that on 0427 JOY949 on your phone. You can also send us an email on air at joy.org.au or give us a call, 1300 JOY949. Leave a message with the lovely Mushin, who will be happy to pass it on to us here in the studio. Yes. But more tech news coming up. Now, Apple has released some software updates. As they do from time to time. As one does. And it's not normally news, although this one was kind of interesting in that the iTunes update that was released for uh, the Mac this week um, kind of made your users folder disappear. What? Disappear. As in... As in you can't see it. Does that mean you lost access to your documents? No, you just can't see the folder that they live in. <laughs> but you can use... So on a Mac, if you are a Mac owner, you uh, you will probably know that when you open up a Finder window, usually you've got some favourites in the sidebar and one of them will be you know, your desktop, your documents, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you go a couple of levels up to where that actually lives, normally it lives in the user's folder and the user's folder could not be seen. Oh. Uh-huh. Which is interesting. And a lot of people were trying to, you know, kind of read read some chicken entrails out of that and going, ooh, maybe Apple's going to do this thing where they're going to hide your files from you. Oh, my goodness. Like, what could it possibly be? Because, of course, everyone believes that Apple can possibly not ever do any wrong. And how would they make a cock-up like that? But this is not the first time they've um, done something with iTunes by mistake, is no, it? No, actually. Aside from the usual uh, iTunes took all my files and, and rearranged them, which I didn't want, which is, is fairly common, there was a time, uh, I think more than 10 years ago now, where they actually managed to delete your entire hard drive. <laughs> so it's not as bad as that. You're running in a room on your hard disk. We can fix that for you. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Thanks, oh my, Apple. Oh, so quick, my computer now. Amazing. Where, where are my tunes? Now, the good thing is they've only done this on OS ten machines, so it's not like it's you know they're out to get Windows users or anything like that. No, I'm sure that there have been uh, Windows muckups in, in the time, although I must say I don't actually run iTunes on my Windows computer, so I'm not uh, across whether anything like that might have happened. But um, it's, it's not quite as bad. Now, they did release a fix very shortly after with a tiny little apology, but it was just really interesting because a lot of people were going, yeah, that sounds like a totally Apple thing to do. What a world we live in where we think that it's totally okay for Apple to do that. Yes. Whoops. Somebody didn't do enough testing, I think. Honestly, if that happened to me, I wouldn't have even noticed. I, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's pretty tricky to notice if you do have your computer set up to just open up to your home folder and find that anyway. You probably would have noticed if all your homework or something had disappeared. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> now, 
Also, mm-hmm. Google. Interesting things happening with Google Translate. What are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> I'll tell well, you what they're doing. Go on. Okay. Thank you, Johnny. So, um, Google has uh, bought um, this thing called WordLens, which is an app that they're going to um, stick in their thingy. <laughs> in their what? <wow. laughs> their translation software stuff, Google Translation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called WordLens and it's made by Quest Digital. And essentially what it does is you can take a photo of a sign that's in another language and it automatically translates the sign onto you like onto the, your screen. So you might have a, have a sign in front of you which is in Spanish, but on your screen is translated into English. Wow, right there on the sign. Yeah, like in real time. And that's a fantastic use of augmented reality, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's crazy. But the really good thing is the app stores all of its translation stuff that it needs on the phone itself, so you don't need to be connected to the internet to do this. That is really pretty spectacular. Be- yeah, because the time that you want to do this is when you are travelling, and when travelling you probably don't have local data and you don't want to pay exorbitant global data roaming costs. Mm. And the video that they have is fantastic because what they do is they show somebody holding up a sign in Spanish in front of the camera and in real time it changes the letters from Spanish to English. Yeah, it's great. I actually watched that and thought that can't be real. Like, And then there's just a slight kind of stutter on the camera lens mm. which makes it like where you can see it's kind of just figuring it out and then translating it. I'm like, alright, that's real. Like, that's It looks really cool. Really amazing. And the amazing thing is is that you know if the words are written in, let's say, blue colour then yep. the translated words are in blue. That's pretty and cool. And using so the same like font. It just exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, Google Goggles had a uh, had a thing that it could do before, um, but it wasn't quite as good, right? No, I don't think so. So, Google Goggles is a is an app that you could use to point at signs like that and get um, get some relatively instant translation. But of course, with Google Goggles, you need to be online. Right. So this is actually pretty clever. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is you know pay an exorbitant amount of money for um, translating stuff when you're away from home. Mm. Well, speaking of getting on the road. Yes. How do you like that segue? Oh, hey. clever. Hey, we're talking about uh, solar roadways. This is a really, really good idea. It's these um, glass, which sounds weird, these glass panels that interlock that are designed to go on roadways that have got solar panels built in to obviously charge themselves, have got computers built into them so there's a, a degree of intelligence and LEDs as well. It's amazing. And what's, what's, what I find amazing is that they will actually absorb ro- normal road traffic. Right. And, and in fact, they've done a test where I think they had a um, an excavator of sorts rolling over these glass tiles and they didn't break. Wow. wow. And how about, you know, I mean, obviously corrosion, and not corrosion, sorry, but, you know, just general sort of wear and tear. Like, yeah, well, how would that work? I, d- I don't know. I, they're, look, it's a uh, crowdsourced project at the moment, so they're crowdfunding to do this. And obviously, they're going to need to do a whole lot of testing to make sure that it does last for a, a long time and is very durable. But the idea behind it is fantastic, because one of the things that you can do is you can have these intelligent signs on the road mm. that change according to the environment. Yeah, it's really fascinating as well. So, it, like... It it lets you say, for example, that you're on like a three-lane highway or something and there's a breakdown in the middle lane. What it actually does is it it knows that the breakdown's there and it will create a new slip lane or a new lane to direct traffic around the breakdown. That's pretty cool. That is fantastic. In theory, anyway. Mm. Yeah. If you could control, say, I don't know, the City Link or, or, you know, the Dining Road outlet or whatever like that and put anything you wanted, what would you put on it? <laughs> Boobs. <laughs> Pixelated boobs. Pixelated. That they, you might have a few accidents and slip lanes after that. But imagine that though. So as well as as well as, you know, that nice sort of stuff. Like you could you could flash up messages about, I don't know, 
uh, road yeah. safety generally or traffic conditions ahead you know go, go home double demerits no day don't yeah. drink and mm. in theory like you can tell if you're speeding so it can place a warning on the road ahead of you and be like warning you're going five kilometers over the, the speed limit slow mm. down and then paste something on your Facebook page at the same time yeah <laughs> this wanker was speeding <laughs> oh, oh that would be pretty uh, pretty cool the um, I, I'm a bit of a cynic I can really only see it being used for ads oh, I mean yes yeah, safety information as well but you can just you know just blinking up Drink, drink this cola. Yes. But what about um, charging the electric cars? That's something that's actually been floated as part of this as well. So um, if you can imagine a car park that's full of, these, full of these panels, right, imagine having an electric car, parking your car, getting your little charge point and, you know, like plugging it into the, the top of the... Straight into the ground. Straight into the ground because it's been soaking up all that lovely energy all day. Mm. How cool would that be? I think we're entering the space age, and it makes me really excited. That is pretty cool. Now, this uh, this campaign has been raising up uh, almost, uh, I think, 400k at the moment, and they've got a target of a million bucks with nine days. Yes, yeah. So I don't know if they're going to make it, but I think the idea is is a very, very good idea and a very good use of technology. And you know, maybe 10, 15 years' time, we'll see something that eventuates on our roads, or maybe even our car parks. Mm, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you can think about all those roofs and stuff like that with uh, with car parks on them that just sit there and could be could be collecting all that energy. That's right. Now, we did promise automotive, didn't we? We did promise automotive, because if you do want an electric car and you have a lot of money to spend, then you'll be excited by this news. And you like playing with gadgets. Gadgets. So Tesla, Tesla Roadster, we've talked about before. Um, is a pretty fantastic uh, mark of car. And pricing has been released or, or imminently to be released um, by Tesla for the Apple, us uh, for the Apple, for the Australian uh, pricing. Sorry, I was looking at my computer. <laughs> what are you saw? No, no, I'm looking at my, no, I'm looking at my notes. Um, yeah, so according to a report in Gizmodo, um, the base model will be just a cheap 95k. Oh. What? Drop in the ocean. What? That's not too bad. All the way up to 200k for the performance uh, 85 kilowatt model, which is um, a, a, quite a few beans. But these cars are um, a little bit spectacular, let's be real. So we talked about the Tesla before, right? Mm. And the Tesla has got this ginormous touchscreen in the centre console. And I, don't, I believe there are no buttons in the car because, you know, buttons are so, what, 19th century. Oh. <laughs> and you just do everything off this touchscreen. Right. Mm. Now... There's there's a few other things that are exciting about it. Obviously, the fact that it's an electric car, but it's not just like a little putt putt electric car that you know gets you down to the shops or anything. This is this is a serious beastie, and it will get you from zero to one hundred on an electric charge in what like eight seconds or something. Wow! Yeah. But how far can it take you? About three hundred and fifty kilometers on a single charge. So we hear. Right. So, say, for example, if I was going to drive back home to Canberra, I wouldn't make it the whole way. You might not make it the whole way, but that's the other thing that's being talked about as well. So, Tesla's cars um, can be charged, you know, off, off regular sort of power off your house. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they have are these things called supercharger networks, which are kind of like petrol stations, um, except obviously not anything like petrol, you know. They're just these places, you, you sit there, you park your car, within, I think it's uh, 80 minutes or something like that, you have almost a full charge. So that's why they're called superchargers, because they're basically rapid chargers, are they? It does sound pretty awesome as well, mm. though. I think that might be more of it. <laughs> it's a supercharger. <laughs> but imagine, um, though, if you took the Tesla and you also took the solar panels from their last story and you could charge the car while you were driving. Well, exactly. You could park pretty much anywhere where there's somewhere to park and uh, go for it. So... Um, 
that could be pretty good. The um, the supercharger is pretty rapid, and then the the network in um, in the US that they have at the moment, they generally chuck it in front of you know burger joints, roadhouses, stuff like that as well. So that if you are having a bit of a road trip and you are going to stop anyway, you may as well plug in, have a burger, you know, hang out at a roadhouse or whatever, and do your thing, and then uh, jump back in your car and it's charged up for another three hundred k or something. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm. Now. We spoke about the solar panels before. Yes. Mike just sent us a message saying that he donated it this morning, and it's almost at $600,000, the uh, the crowdfunding. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So in one day, it's moved from 400k to 600k. Indeedy. Which is not now, bad. We did also get a text from uh, from Matt from Doncaster, who said, are you sponsored by Google? Question mark, sticky, outy tongue face. Matt, <laughs> obvi- so Matt, Matt, Matt obviously doesn't listen to the show that often, because we're usually talking about Apple. <laughs> we're usually panning, uh, panning everyone that, that comes along as well. Um, we we do try to uh, to have a bit of balance in our coverage, but yeah, it's um it's it's hard not to get excited about some of these things that people invent, though. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. Um, now the Tesla supercharger network apparently is going to be free to use if you have purchased a, a Tesla, and you know okay. what? If you want to buy a Tesla, it costs you six k just to reserve one. So yeah, it's not Does, for the. Uh, but I assume that would come off the purchase price. It'd be like a deposit. I assume it would be a deposit. Yeah, God, it would I'd be hope pretty so. rude if it wasn't. Mm. Um, and the Model S vehicles um, will be using the same connectors that EU delivered cars for whatever that means. I guess it just means that you can use it in single or three-phase power. For your house? Does that mean it's just universal? So if you were going to take it overseas, it would be the same plug-in? Uh, I, I would hope so, but I think if you're taking your... Well, I mean, if you could afford a Tesla, you probably would be able to afford I'm, to I'm wonder, I'm wondering whether it's more in relation to the fact that it's sort of like Europe, we're at 220, 240 volts compared that's to 110 in the like US. It. Right. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Now, coming up, even more tech news. It is 16 minutes to one here on TechnoGaze on Joy 94.9. It's a quarter to one here on Joy 94.9. It's Raina, Michael and Johnny here on Techno Gaze talking all things tech. And we've been talking a bit about cars, haven't we? Yes. We sure have. Now, on our list of things to talk about, we do have something else. And I'm just going to ask us if we can swap it and go straight to this other thing about driverless cars. I like driverless cars. I like driverless cars too. I, in fact, don't drive a car at the moment. So... um, yeah, if I had a car that I could continue to not drive, that would be pretty sweet. This scares the crap out of me. I, I've got to say, Why? so driverless, driverless cars, so we've, we've talked about them before. A driverless car obviously is a car without a driver. You can get in and, and you know, I guess you can control the car to some point. Um, but your driverless car uses software and all the rest of it and cameras and all that magic to drive you around. But an interesting thing sent in by our, our mate uh, Craig, who we've had on the show before, Um, dropped us a little note about a story and it was covered on Gizmodo and a few other places. How does your driverless car make decisions about what to do in the event of an accident? Because this is the thing. Everyone's like, driverless cars, yeah, if there's an accident, then it will make the smartest decision. But what actually is the smartest decision? Discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Clarify and comment on. That's right. So you're alluding to the fact of what happens that if I turn left, I'm going to save me, the driver, but four other people are going to be killed. But if I turn right, I'm going to be killed, but these four other people are going to remain intact. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. Would the driverless car actually be able to tell how many people are in the other vehicle? Well, yes, if, if both cars are connected, we'd have little sensors inside the oh, hotel. So right. Actually, they'd probably get it from Facebook or the NSA. Right, NSA will help us out yes. there. Yeah, no, I don't like the idea that it's just like, all right, whoops, I'm going to kill myself because it's the, the ch- cheapest, cheapest? No, because it's the best decision in order to save four other people. Right. But uh, wouldn't it just 
slam on the brakes. <laughs> right, but you, you get the most... I mean, yeah, if you slam on the brakes, maybe you will crash into the car anyway, but maybe not as, as quickly and maybe you won't squash anybody to death, but maybe just break their legs. I don't know. Like, there's all sorts of terrifying things that go on in there. You know, I, I think if cars got to the stage where they were able to make these decisions about, oh, yeah, one versus four, oh. that if they decided you were the dispensable one, they'd obviously invoke the ejector seat and you'd eject out of the car and, right, and then- land safely. Or not. Or not. <laughs> Surely there'd be, like, a manual override. You'd, you'd hope so, but in the, in when there's an accident, like, you're going to have time to think, oh, geez, I'd better shut down my, my robot companion here and take over the car. Like, hmm. it, it's worrying, particularly because, I mean, crash optimization and stuff like that, obviously there's a lot of, you know, interesting science that goes into deciding how crashes happened and, you know, what could have been safer and blah, blah, blah. Um in the in the story that they they uh, that that has been sort of floating around, you know, they actually name a couple of um, of different brands known for their safety, um, European ones and stuff like that. Um, I mean, if you're programming that car though, and you were a little bit of a, a capitalist swine, couldn't you also say, "I'm going to use my smart car communication thing to find out if you have comprehensive, or do you just have compulsory third party?" <laughs> What's going to be better for the insurance company? Well, that's the thing. Like, if all things being equal, and mm. no one's going to get hurt or whatever, but could I crash into this car that will deliver the owner of my vehicle some cash or not? You know, wow. if, if, if you want to go down that path, you could take it to the next degree and start looking up actuarial tables and say, "Well, the driver of the other car is really." 85 and you know their <gasps> contribution to society is this level and your oh, contribution is this and, and that right. that is super evil this is why you don't let me program such things <laughs> right but, I mean can you imagine though that that you know people people make horrible shortcuts all the time mm. all the time can you imagine you know some some overworked developer in some company and they've been awake for three days and it's four in the morning and they just, you know, go, whatever, this seems quickest. Like, there's all sorts of things. But that's not like, oh, no, it means this software crashes a little bit more often. That's people might actually get, That's right. Know, and and then what happens car. in terms of liability in the right. situation? Who is liable if there's an accident due to some software bug? Mm. Now, here's the other thing. So this actually came out of a story in Wide that talks about this as well this month. Um, here's an actual scenario from a, uh, from a research scientist at, uh, in Virginia. And he says, well, you know, let's say that you've got a car. It's facing a crash. There are two, two possible places that it could go. One of them is a motorcyclist wearing a helmet, and the other one is a motorcyclist who didn't wear their helmet. Mm. You're basically, what they're saying, penalising that motorcyclist who's wearing a helmet for being marginally safer, even though arguably it's going to be pretty bad. Mm. I mean, that's horrible. It's completely, it sounds like it's pretty unethical, um, but it's, you know, it's sort of rewarding that person for illegally not wearing a helmet, which is just horrible. Assuming the software chooses the bikey with the helmet. Well, that's assuming that it does, but why wouldn't it if it's supposed to be about safety, right? Maybe it feels that the other one didn't follow the rules, therefore it is less deserving. It feels. Oh, yuck. Oh, oh, oh. Wait, I don't know about robots. <laughs> this, is, this is getting in the Robocop sort of text. We, we, I did watch that last night. <laughs> we're flying into fantasy here at the moment. We, do, we got a text from, uh, from listener Adrian who says, surely the three laws of robotics yes. would apply. Finally. Good. Um, I agree. Yes. Asimov's three laws of robotics. Anybody remember what they are? Uh, they were... Um, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. I think, <laughs> That's I the Bible. A robot, Wrong laws. A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm is one of them. Uh, a robot must obey something or other. And I can't remember the third one. I'm a terrible robot. I would not be a good robot. Um, 
they're actually look. There's a lot of thought that goes into talking about you know robots and artificial intelligence and and what it all means. And it is interesting that Isaac Asimov, um, you know, in his fiction, actually came up with these things that people are, are you know know well enough to be able to text into our mm. radio show about and for us to go, yeah, that thing. Um, what's the third one? Oh, a robot has to protect itself. Right. As uh, long as as long as it isn't, you know. Yeah, a robot human. must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now sponsored by Wikipedia. Hey. <laughs> Just um, kidding. But, you know, driverless cars today are nowhere ne- near this level, but I could imagine one day as algorithms get stronger and people start to build features into into driverless vehicles, you know, some of these questions are going to come about. You know, there was something interesting that we saw um, as well. It was a, a Tumblr earlier in the week that uh, that we came uh, came out with was, um, it's called Signs from the Near Future and it's, it's a really cool little website because it's full of these little signs of things that, you know, we don't see now but are probably going to be really commonplace in the future and they're mm. like these weird little peeks into this science oh, yeah. fiction sort of, you know, like there's a sign that says, you know, drones are watching and stuff like that at a, at a crossing, you know, to, which I should is a replacement for give way to pedestrians or something. Like, don't worry. And make sure you don't jaywalk. Right. But one of those things that we saw was a was a sign that says keep left lane clear for driverless vehicles and stuff like that. Which I can imagine in the future that when you start to get a number of driverless cars out there on the road, especially when there are more driverless cars than drivered cars, mm. that you are going to want to keep the, the, the manual or the, the human traffic away from the automated traffic because right. the humans are going to make a mistake. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Imagine what that's going to do to your insurance premiums. It's like, do you have a driverless vehicle and do you sometimes drive your own driverless vehicle? You know, it's yes. like those companies that they ask you all those questions like, do you park at your train station or whatever mm. to see if they should charge you a little extra? I think by that time... Uh, people are just not going to bother learning how to drive anymore. They'll just buy a driverless car and let it chauffeur them around. Sure, but in the meantime, and we know how long it takes for these cars to, you know, get out of the system. I mean, people are driving cars yes. in the yeah. 70s and 80s still. You know, there's still going to be lots of human drivers. What about cyclists? Cyclists. I don't know. I reckon most cyclists I know would, would be really anti-robot <laughs> driving. Or, <laughs> well, no, it's my legs. Well, sorry. Oh, yeah. Right. Sorry. But from a safety point of view, mm. I would imagine that cyclists and, and motorbike riders would be much better off with with driverless cars. You'd think yeah, so. Yeah, I'd think yeah. so. Yeah. That's right. Now, a couple more little tiny bits mm. of news. Um, here's one from... Uh, we've talked about the Oculus Rift before, which is that great little gadget that you can oh, yeah. stick on your head and see what's going on in a virtual reality sort Now, of I thing. do like the headline from this article that we found. This article, <laughs> yeah. We, what, what, what does it say, Raina? It says... Strap on your Oculus Rift and get ready. See if you can guess what the story's going to be about. Let me guess. Um, Not SES. Adult entertainment. So it's talking about how uh, there is a streaming service uh, called Sugar DVD that does adult films, and they are working on an app for the Oculus Rift so that if you are a consumer of their products, you may also strap on your Oculus Rift, as the title says, and um, <laughs> enjoy a somewhat more immersive experience. Hmm. I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, really. Because it is that time of day where we probably shouldn't, but I'm, I'm sure if you do a bit of, you know, I internet don't, searching. I, yeah, I don't know how this would work practically. The Oculus Rift gets sexy. Gets I think, sexy. like, um, I can kind of imagine it, imagine it, but not in a, a realistic sense of the word. Like, I mean, I've seen videos of other people using Oculus Rift and, like, the, the graphics are very 
well, computer generated. So how mm. would a live action adult movie be incorporated into um, the Oculus Rift um, unless it was shot with like those 3D cameras, which Lots are crazy expensive. Like, sure. Yeah, and, and I think they would have to be 3D cameras. But, you know, for me, Oculus Rift is really good when you're in the center of a room and you're looking around. You look up, you look right, you look left, and, and you can actually turn your head and you see more, you see a different point of view. Mm. Sure. But... If you are watching some people do things at a certain location, it's like, where mm. can I look? And Would it be like point of view of the, whoever you choose to? Well, well it could be. Yeah. Well, this this is um, this is this is what the uh, the spokesperson from the company said is at first this will be similar to a choose your own adventure type of experience. We already have these sorts of options for DVDs apparently, so that sounds interesting. It's it's kind of it's true what they say that a lot of um, you know a lot of technological innovation in the entertainment sort of side of things being driven by the adult entertainment side of the industry, isn't it? Yes, and we've mm. seen the demise of Betamax to VHS because of the Et porn cetera. industry and the popularity of uh, those videos. That's exactly right, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. Now, coming up, there'll be just a little bit more tech news uh, following that. Uh, it's five minutes to one here on Joy 94.9, where you are listening to Techno Gaze. Joy 94.9. Three minutes to one here on Joy 94.9. We are almost out of time, as we always seem to be, but we do have a few little extra bits of news. Um, Half-Life 3. Oh, my goodness. It's finally being semi-confirmed that it's worked on, but right. we'll take that. In, indeedy. So Half-Life, obviously, is a franchise that is uh, well-known to many, many gamers, very, very popular. Um, people have been talking about Half-Life 3 for so long, and we haven't heard any really good information about it. And they take a ridiculous amount of time to release games between... Uh, Installments. That's right. Is and that it's, because it's called Half Life? <laughs> no. Well, maybe. Um, anyway, it's it's people have been talking about it for ages to the point where you know any time that um, Valve, the the developer, would ever release anything, they'd start looking you know into chicken scratches and and try and do that sort of thing to mm. see if it was actually real. Left 4 Dead Three apparently is getting worked on as well. That's so exciting though. I am excited. I'm pretty pumped. Also, Xbox One is going to be sold without the Connect. Connectless. So it's going to be a price drop as well by a hundred dollars. Hey, cool. Sales for the Xbox One are looking okay, but it's not even half of what the PS4 is selling at the moment. PS4 so. is doing very well, but I still don't don't discount that Xbox One just yet. Like it's got 4.4 million overall, I think, which is nothing to snub your nose at. It's already no. outselling the Wii U. That's right. Now that is all we have time for today. So if you missed any part of the show, or perhaps you're looking to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by browsing to joy.org.au/technogaze and checking out all the information there. Coming up next, a joy news bulletin with Shannon Gillies, followed by another great episode of Cravings with the Nudie Foodie, Pete Dillon. Thank you for joining us, Johnny. No problem. And sharing your stories. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. And I'm Raina, and this has been another fantastic episode of Techno Gaze. I hope you have a really fantastic weekend, and we will be sure to catch you next week. Techno Gaze. On Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.